Just tell people what the results are that you want to be getting. And that's actually what every business wants. Like, how is this widget going to change my life? How are these shoelaces going to change my life? How are, are these things going to change my life? And really, again, we have a huge advantage to just educate our clients on the results that we get for them and educating anybody that we're asking for, for business. Hi there. Welcome to OTs Get Paid, the podcast for OT entrepreneurs, where we learn about everything you need to know to move from thinking like a therapist to acting like a CEO and making good money along the way. Are you curious how to continue to be true to your mission of helping others as an OT and get paid what you're worth? Do you want to know the best tips that add zeros to your bank account? Do you wonder how other OTs do it too? I'm your host, Trish Williams, a Canadian, a mom, a not-so-closet choir nerd, an occupational therapist of over 26 years. I spent most of those years loving my profession, but secretly wishing I could get paid a lot more. Did I feel like I had an important job that had great impact on my clients and society? Check. Did I also wish I could feel validation in that work through getting paid enough to feel financial freedom? Check, check. So finally in my 40s, as a single mom who needed to get real with my income, I built two six-figure businesses, including my latest as an OT entrepreneur coach at Trish Williams Consulting. And through this, I heard the secret shame that others felt the same way too. So I'm raising my voice and raising my profile of this issue and probably raising my prices. I'm here to talk about OTs making money. So let's do like Scrooge McDuck and dive into those giant piles of gold coins and get swimming and start this episode. Welcome, OT entrepreneurs, to the OT's Get Paid podcast, episode 94. Today, we are training on free marketing with fast results. A little note before you jump into today's episode, you're going to notice that the structure is a little bit different, as is the audio. What we decided to do was take this bonus training that is in our paid programs, Road to 100K and 100K Club Mastermind, and bring it forward to our audience for free. Why did we do that? Number one, we always are happy to give you a peek, a glimpse behind the curtain of what we do in our paid programs. If this interests you, you'll be able to see the amazing content that we give. We have bonus, extra bonus trainings once a month in our group coaching programs. And this was just such a fabulous topic that we wanted to get it out to our entire audience of OT that get paid peeps. Enjoy it. We are having a bonus training today that I'm really, really excited about. And it is called Free Marketing Strategies for Fast Results. I mean, that's really the holy grail. Everybody wants marketing for a company that doesn't cost any money uh, when you don't have any budget. And so I know many of you are in this place where you've started out, 
you've had some customers and you've made some money. This is amazing. So you have this proof of concept. You know that people get results from what you do and they give you money for it and a testimonial and yay. So that, if you recall, is the loop to 100K. So you have all put yourself through that loop a few times and it has brought you success in terms of now you want to have some more customers. You're still very lean and you don't have a marketing budget because you just hustled and hustled and hustled for all of your clients to date. And you've probably got in the range of 10 clients a month off and on, and you definitely want more. And you know, you're plus two or three K a month and it's, you're like, who has time to market? But I know that you want to grow. We also know that word of mouth and referral are some of the very best ways that you can do that, but they take more time. And that is a, is a strategy that has some planting of the seeds. So today I really wanted to explore some free marketing strategies that have something with a faster return on the investment. And so one thing I recently learned was this could fall under the umbrella of guerrilla marketing. I'm not sure if anybody here has heard of guerrilla marketing before. I hadn't, and I heard the term. And then when I dove into it, I realized, oh, I think this would benefit so many of us with OT businesses, particularly those in the road to 100K. And so what I'm going to do today is I'm going to go through some examples of guerrilla marketing and how they can be used for OTs with the OT filter on them. Uh, And before I begin, I want to talk about, so if you were to look up the true definition of guerrilla marketing, you'd find that it's very unconventional and very assertive in some of the ways it's done. So I don't want you to get lost in that description of it because at first I was like, when I look up the true definition of guerrilla marketing, it doesn't look like it totally relates to OTs. Remember all those years ago when they had those uh, pop-ups, like people did, oh, people did like singing in the town square. I can't remember what they're called right off the top of my bat, but that would be an example of guerrilla marketing. Um, One of the examples that they gave, and I'm aging myself here, but One of the first examples of guerrilla marketing that I can ever remember was the Blair Witch Project movie. I'm not sure if any of you have seen the Blair Witch Project, but I was like the perfect age, the perfect stage to go to this movie. And it was a teen, I mean, the internet was like still kind of new. And I remember being confused if the Blair Witch Project film was real or not because of the way they marketed it because they weren't, they kind of dropped it in the theaters. They didn't have a lot of advanced publicity. It talked a lot more about like they had, you know, pictures in the lobby of like, it looked more like a documentary. Now we're a different consumer nowadays, so this wouldn't fly as much, but really people started talking because this was a very low budget film that looked as though it could have been very, very real. And in fact, it's one of the times I remember the first time going back home in my apartment in New York City and like starting to get online on like my big desktop computer that I had for grad school and like looking at, is this actually real or not? And this was like pre-Reddit, right? So you started to follow threads. I mean, that's amazing guerrilla marketing. I don't want you to be that unconventional if you don't feel that that is your jam. But in terms of things that are fast and a little bit out of the box and that are free, 
that's what I want you to focus on. And we're going to talk about that today. So I have nine different ways that we can do some fast marketing with fast results. And the first is public speaking. I know multiple people have thought of this and some of you have done it and some of you have not. I recently read, and I can't remember where I, oh, you know what? It might've been on a podcast. So I heard it, but I didn't actually look at what the resource was that getting in front of people and speaking in front of people creates this immediate, like no and trust. And that visibility is one of the best ways to begin to get clients. And so the offer to speak at local community events like schools or churches or community centers on topics that are related to your zone of genius. And again, this gives you that chance to showcase your expertise and build really quick connections with your potential clients. So number one is public speaking. Number two is free resources. I want you to be able to offer free resources like educational brochures or ebooks or those types of things that provide valuable information to your ideal client. Now, we have a training, as you know, in the Road to 100K about how to build a lead magnet, and that's part of what we're talking about. I mean, this podcast is a free resource, um, and I want you to make sure that these resources are easily accessible on your website or your social media channel. So again, you've heard this one before, but again, it's to reiterate having a lead magnet and why it's important is under the um, auspices of free resources. Number three is any type of community outreach. So that partnering with local businesses like a yoga studio or a health food store. In fact, I had a wellness clinic that's in town that reached out to me over IG just the other day. Now, remember, I am no longer a practicing occupational therapist in a clinical sense, and yet they still reached out to me as a clinician OT to form a partnership with them or ask if I knew anybody who wanted to form a partnership with them in an OT, pediatric, local, Calgary-based where I live realm. And so this was really smart on their part. And it also goes to show you that some of those seeds that you plant a long time ago can come to fruition in in interesting ways. That's a little bit of an digression from this topic. But that community outreach will give you an opportunity to connect with potential clients and again, establish your business as this trusted resource. I also love community outreach, and we've talked about this before, but it is all about what is happening for your ideal client on their buying journey? What is happening? Where are they before you? Where are they after you? Where are they during their journey? And to think out of the box and to create outreach connections has a ton of benefit when you think about where your ideal customer is at. That can help you narrow it down. Also, there's something really confirming, and this isn't marketing per se, but you know we are all about accountability here and support. And it really gives you an opportunity to connect with other like-minded small business owners. We certainly can go over more and more detail about scripts, et cetera. But in terms of the fast and the furious, most business owners are like you. In the 
community in the space that you're going to think about community outreach. And one of the number one questions we get asked a lot is, how do I approach physicians and hospitals? I just had that on the Facebook board, the OTs get paid Facebook board just the other day. And I think my answer is often, if that's the first place that you think of, it's not the place that gives you the most results. Those are kind of hard walls to penetrate to get fast results. The easier thing is to call any allied health, any care provider that is in alignment with what you do and who serves your ideal client. And they're likely the technician, just like you, running a small business and would be very happy to hear from you. And also just that immediate connection that you can build and then begin to say, how can we each serve this ideal client? So my my point here is we can provide that accountability and that support. And yet I don't want you to overthink it. Number four, our social media contests. Now, you all know that I have a bit of a love-hate relationship with social media. I know a lot of you feel that it is necessary. Uh, Really, I'm constantly asking you to look at the return on your investment of your social media. And yet, if you have social media, having a social media contest that engages your followers and encourages them to share your content is still really appropriate for a lot of spaces. I know that you have people that you follow that you've seen do it well. So my advice, rather than like, how do I do this, Trish? Give me 25 steps on how to create a social media contest. It's literally find somebody that you resonate with that is building that right now. For example, at the time of this recording, um, I see quite a few people in like the clean talk space, the like clean reels, um, and like cleaning and organizing companies are big, like the home edit would be the biggest one, right? But there are micro businesses that are still in that niche. And they do, in my opinion right now, when I follow them, they do a really good job about uh, leveraging the users that they have with some social media contests. There's actually um, a healthcare clinic that I attend does that as well. So you can create a hashtag challenge that encourages followers to share photos of themselves and I know that this gets into HIPAA compliant, you have to figure it out for what works for your people, but any kind of social media visibility and engagement really helps with that brand. And it's easy and it's fast and it's free. Uh, Number five is having a referral program. Encourage, so the people that are in your sphere already, that are already coming to you as current clients or past clients, they're likely pretty ideal. You know, you've, you've had them, they've been happy, they've given you money. And what you want is to find more of those types of clients. And so by asking those ideal current clients, those ideal past clients to refer their friends and their family to your practice is really good. People Now, there's a difference here because There's a difference between referrals that are slow and those seeds that are being planted and referrals that are fast. Many of us work from this abundance place. Um, I often tell the story of how I was in a restaurant, a busy restaurant, and I was getting up and walking to the bathroom and somebody stopped me and said, oh my gosh, I love your dress. And I just went on and on and on about my dress because it was designed by a friend of mine who worked for Chanel in Paris and then came back to open up her own design company in Canada. And I was an evangelist for her clothing line. 
I kept saying it has pockets. <laughs> it even has pockets. Um, and that is a slow burn. And then one day, Jennifer, who owns the clothing line, reached out to a few of her ideal clients and said, I would love you to be a brand ambassador. That's what she was calling it. And I'd love to give you X percent. I think it was 20% off my clothes. And you know, I would really welcome you to refer any friends and family you have for, and and in turn, I'm going to give you this 20% off. And so whatever you think is appropriate, you know, I'm not a huge fan on discounts in therapies and a lot of time in certain insurances, it's not legal, but what is a bonus that you could add? Is there like a free session? Is there extra time you could add? Is there, you know, a FaceTime Clients love it when you can get into their environment and help them on the spot. What is a little bonus that you could offer to form? Hey, Trish. Yes, Ashley. As an OT entrepreneur who's just starting to make money, I bet you've thought, oh my gosh, I just got my first few clients. What the heck do I do now? Don't worry. At Therabyte, we have you covered. We heard you and we created intake and consent templates just for you. So you've downloaded the template and now you can say, amazing, I know exactly how to get my client started. Oh, I wish I'd had this in the beginning. I pulled everything together and needed something this efficient. Okay, so where can listeners find these templates, Ashley? Super easy. The link will be in the show notes. You just hop over to our website, find templates, and you've got your download. Sounds great. Former clients that that refer again we have to be careful with kickbacks if it's a dollar value but this when you it's the difference between having something that is a value to the person to whom you are asking to refer and asking if they love you they're going to want to show you from the rooftops and this will really help expand your client base pretty quickly and again it's it's a lot faster than trying to hustle and find brand new clients to walk in the door Um, the fifth is networking, good old fashioned networking. Um, some of you, this is being recorded right now when uh, the AOTA conference is happening. And that is a brilliant example of an opportunity to go and network your event, business fairs, meetups. Uh, you know, one of my dreams is to have a podcast tour to find more potential clients and referral sources and really connect with your community. We're going to talk a bit about at the end about like what to do at the end of each of these things because you're going to need a plan. But the difference here too is I want you to remember, I'm going to encourage you to take a step forward. I'm going to push you maybe to take a step forward when you're at those events. And that is to remember to talk about what you do and why you do it. And remember that that is a really important piece of your connection with others, getting people in your sphere to know who do you serve and how do you serve them. And I think so many of us are worried about being pushy. And in this case, it's actually not. It's a tried and true method that especially when it's done in a container that feels comfortable, allied health, occupational therapy, pediatrics, pelvic health, 
home environmental modification, whatever your clinical genre is, it likely has a softer, more female-based tone to it anyways. That tends to be the people that listen to this, uh, these trainings. And I think that it's really important to note that that networking piece can be done in a really heartfelt and genuine way for you. It does not have to be like a bro networking culture. Number six is volunteer work. So by volunteering your services at local nonprofit organizations or community events, and this can, again, really help establish you as like a caring and compassionate therapist and gives you, again, an opportunity to connect. Um, When my children were mid-aged range, like beginning to hit around 12, I began to look for a lot of volunteer opportunities for my family because it's hard to find those unless you're over a certain age, like 16. And what I was, and then we came together as a family and decided, and for a good long while, we worked with a local organization in Calgary called Feed the Hungry, mainly because it was one of the organizations where my children could come and volunteer at a certain age. It was close. It was, you know, we could dedicate ourselves to it weekly, et cetera. And there was not one thought of business on my mind for volunteer work. This was actually on a Sunday. (laughs) We did it for reasons that had nothing to do with business. It was literally because it was a pillar in our family that we thought it was important to give back. And I wanted to teach my children at a younger age. And what wound up happening eventually, as we continued to work with Feed the Hungry, where we served meals uh, to people in the community that needed them, was because we were a family, they began to put us at the family tables. They had certain tables that were dedicated to families. And it was through those connections and through talking to some of the people, some of the actual families, because again, I had a pediatrics bricks and mortar. What wound up happening is that the more people that we talked to and the more people that they were adjacent to, and then even the people who ran Feed the Hungry began to know what I did for a living. And we actually, as soon as we really made that connection with the families, we started to get a lot of referrals and, or a lot of people that came to have our services. And I just never saw that as that connection until it actually happened. So this is something to keep in your mind. One of the things that you can do, and I think it, I mean, we could make it another point, let's call it 6B, is that partnership with schools or other places in your community where you know that there are workshops for kids, workshops for parents, place like community colleges, places that have a a learning component to them. And you can, or like the free adult education places in town where, again, it doesn't have to be about pediatrics here, but where you know that you could easily have a niche and that people would want to learn from you. The next one is a social media campaign. Now that's different than a social media contest and a social media campaign is a little bit more time consuming, but again, can drive people to your business really quickly. So this would be more using videos 
and graphics and maybe some posts to really educate people on the topics that are important. One of the things I will say, anytime you're going to lean into a social media campaign, a very big differential here is for you to be very clear on your messaging. We have had um, past trainings on missions and values. And I think the thing that I want to point out here that's really, really important is what do you stand for and what do you stand against? And that is that movement marketing piece that we talk about whenever I talk about missions and values. Having a movement, a social, environmental governance movement is vital in these days and age because your consumer is going to require it. So for example, to continue to use my friend Jennifer Ziliato, um, she uh, was bringing her clothing line into Canada and it was made in Canada and it was ethically made. And that was a very important stance that she took. And that is a differentiator. I mean, her product is excellent, right? But that mission of hers was another differentiator of why people should choose her product, her dress versus somebody else's dress. And again, whenever you are doing particularly a social media campaign where you can get lost a little bit in the shuffle, although it's really fast and it's inexpensive, I want you to challenge yourself on this point to have a very clear point of view. It doesn't all have to be educational. In fact, lean into what your mission is and grab quite a bit of your messaging from that point of view. Um, one of the things I want you to consider is your number eight is the physical space that you have. Now, not all of you have spaces, some of you are mobile. And yet one of the easiest things that I did in my bricks and mortar was put attention into the entry, into the place where people came in and into the place where people stayed. So again, I was in pediatrics. We had people, in fact, we had a, an old house and you could choose to come in the front or the back we could have done any way that we wanted. And one of the reasons I chose for people to come in through the back door, so they would typically park on the front of the street and then have to walk down the side in the back was because of the gardens. And the gardens were really beautiful. And I live in Canada where it's really cold. I mean, it's snowing right now. I don't know if anybody can see that. Um, but there is a tranquility and a peace that I wanted my clients to feel before they entered the door. And the universe was very kind because I'm not making this up when I say the very first client that walked in the door, she had been a client that had left my old space and came into the new space. And she told me that herself. She said, Trish, I'm already relaxed, just walking down the side garden. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's exactly what I was going for. And additionally, your waiting space. You know, we created a really child, in fact, we took chalkboard paint and the day that we decided to put chalkboard paint on the wall was a, a day that, again, parents 
would say, this is just the best place. I feel as though my neighbor would really thrive here. They've been having trouble finding places, but this is very child-friendly. Again, many of you know that part of that was setting up my environment was also when my children became of the right age. I offered free babysitting to the people in the waiting room or during assessments so that they wouldn't have to worry. Creating that welcoming environment is not difficult and can be really helpful for these inexpensive and, and, and fast referrals. And the last one is you yourself offering some kind of support group. So we've talked about ways of going out into the community and leveraging audiences and ideas and places that already exist. And this one is about offering some kind of support group within your walls. Now, if you don't have a brick and mortar, I've talked to many clinicians who say, well, I want to do that, but I need a space. And that is not true. We've got examples of people who are doing that in the beaches of Florida. Um, we have examples of people that are doing that seasonally when they know they it's easier to be outside. You can easily build a community partnership with somebody and rent briefly some of their space. And it really is that opportunity again to gather people in a different way. I want you to also remember when you're doing this, one of the kind of key focuses is people, again, often ask one of the other really popular questions isn't just, hey, I need the way to know how to talk to physicians and to talk to hospitals. It's how do I teach everybody about OT? Honestly, those are very, very, two very, very common questions. And in all of this guerrilla quote marketing or fast marketing or inexpensive marketing that you're doing, it's going to be making sure that you're highlighting the results that you can get for your people. So you don't have to highlight what OT is. You don't have to explain what OT is. Just tell people what the results are that you want to be getting. And that's actually what every business wants. Like, how is this widget going to change my life? How are these shoelaces going to change my life? How are are these things going to change my life? And really, again, we have a huge advantage to just educate our clients on the results that we get for them and educating anybody that we're asking for, for business. So the problems that you solve we have a huge advantage. Please don't get caught up in what is OT. So at the end of all of this, what I want you to take away is there's planting seeds and there's some things that are fast action. I want you to choose one. <laughs> I want you to choose one or maybe two of these things that you feel that you could implement today, that you could implement quickly. And Putting that and holding yourself accountable for that, as opposed to having this checklist and being like, these are all great ideas. So we're moving into the implementation phase of let's choose one, if you have that capacity or two, and decide that you're going to put it into action. And the second is setting a goal. And the third would be having a plan. So setting a goal that you're going to leave X event or X partnership or X social media campaign or whatever it is that you choose to do and have four email addresses by the end of this, four leads. I am very guilty. And I've talked to multiple therapists who are in this, like, you know, not yet hundred K stage. And they're, 
they're so excited and they make this connection. I'm thinking actually in terms of public speaking. I did this a number of times before I wised up. And I've recently talked to a few clients about this too. And they're like, yeah, I got in touch with all these people and it was so great. And I like did this great speech. And then, oh my gosh, I realized what was my call to action at the end of all of this. So I want to remind you not to do what I did. Come prepared. Come prepared with a goal and make it a modest, achievable goal for yourself. And then a plan. So if you want to do a public speaking, for example, um, and then you want to leave with four email addresses, that's a great goal. You've chosen one and you've implemented it. And what is the plan? How are you going to get people to sign up for these email addresses? Quick spoiler, by the way, at the end of public speaking, what I would often do is um, people, I would always have a Q&A at the end, always leave time for people to come and talk to me. Many times people would just be driven right to me as a speaker and be like, oh my gosh, I need to be able to work with you because this is exactly what I need. Um, or I need help with this for my child or family member. And, or the other thing that I did a lot was, well, I did three things. The second thing I did was any slides that I used, I offered to email to people because those had a lot of value to them. That would be like a free lead magnet. And the third is I would, (laughs) one time when I had no plan (laughs) and I was totally winging it, I quite, quite literally ripped out a piece of paper from a notebook and just put name, email address on the top. And I passed it around with like some janky pen. And I was like, whoever wants to sign up and stay in touch, like it was so vague, please just, um, uh, you know, put your name and address there. So it was a very simple ask and people did. And this one place that I spoke with wound up being an amazing referral partner and then sending individual clients my way. So The last thing I want to remind you about is in a podcast that I recorded a while back with a woman who dubs herself as the sales maven, Nikki Roush. And she talks about this concept of here, kitty, kitty. And I want to revisit that before we end this here. And that is to say that I believe many of us with our big concern, and I'm I'm almost going to bet as I was going through these points, some of you were like leaning into them and some of you were like, well, I couldn't do that. I don't think that's going to work. You know, I don't know how to turn that into a marketing or a sales opportunity, bridging that gap. And I feel you big time if that crossed your mind. And that's what I want to address right now. And so Nikki Roush came up with this theory called here, kitty, kitty. And (laughs) there's a difference between like a dog, as she described, and a cat. And a dog has, frankly, more my personality. They're kind of like, oh, you know, I always think of myself as kind of this hot mess puppy with like a lot of energy and talks a lot and blah, not all that pulled together and just like, you know, love me, be me, hi, how are you? Whereas a cat is more subtle and more slow and more open. And if you rush to a puppy, the puppy's going to be like, yeah, yeah, let's play. Love me, love me. Whereas if you rush to a cat, they're going to be like, whoa back off. And so if you imagine your ideal client or any referral partner that you're asking for is more like a cat, Nikki Roush endorses this here kitty kitty philosophy, which is a slow build. You know, you kind of have to say here, kitty, kitty, here, kitty, kitty. And what she means by that in the world of sales is 
taking an opportunity to engage in conversation. One of the things that she mentions is, and I, I find this a really interesting quote unquote hack, is that whenever she goes to a Starbucks or somebody is out and about and they're like, hi, how was your day? She'll say, my day is wonderful. I've been working on this project that I'm really excited about for work. That's a here kitty kitty statement because if somebody is interested and you could call it permission-based marketing too, right? If somebody is really interested, they're going to lean in and they're going to be like, oh, well, tell me more about what's this project. Whereas if they're not interested, they're not going to lean in. And so it's the here kitty kitty signals where you talk a little bit more and you talk a little bit more. So I'm hoping that by setting a goal, making a plan, choosing one of these things and finding an approach that works for you, particularly if you're more modest and there's that here kitty kitty approach that you will feel that that is the approach for you. So I would love to have you put some questions in the chat, please. And I will answer them. And then at the end, we're going to all come together and Kelly is going to talk more about wins, but let's stay on this topic and we'll start to get some questions asked for yourself. So Kelly's question here is, how do you set and measure your goal if it is more the planting seed versus fast action? This is a really great question. There is a section in, I believe we have it in the marketing module and lesson. And if not, I'll make sure that you get it. Where you are tracking, this really is about tracking the data. Kelly, that's the answer. And where you are tracking your data and you are looking at the things that move the needle. There is an additional section that I put in the metrics to track. And I've gone in and out of using this. And I have to say, I always kind of kick myself when I don't fill out the section every month. And it is how did you get your last five clients? And that really allows you to see what is a fast action versus what is a planting the seed. So if you don't know, you need to ask. And straight up, the last two clients, I think, that came into the 100K Club Mastermind, I didn't ask. I forgot on the sales calls. That's usually a great place to talk to people about it. And so I wrote them an email, a really quick email. And I said, Hey, I usually ask this question, but I'd really like to know, like, how did you come to find me? Cause they just came upon my schedule wanting to talk about hundred K club mastermind, kind of the ideal thing where it drops into your email. And I needed to hear from them how they had come to me, how they had heard of me. And then another really great question is what allowed them to make that decision at that time, right? That's kind of the easiest way to begin to track that. To put it into another real-life context, I probably get a call a week. Well, maybe that's a little aggressive right now. Maybe a call every two weeks on my phone number, which isn't published anywhere anymore, um, about people looking for, for me for OT services. And you know, just like I said, there was a community partner who reached out over IG, but like, this is my phone where I know it's, I'm not on any more CAOT lists. I don't have my phone number on my website. I sold the practice. Like I actually have no idea how these people have gotten my telephone number, 
but once a week, once every two weeks, somebody shows up. And what I do is I pass those calls along to the new owner, but it would be a really, now let's say I decided, yeah, I'm going to pick up a few more OT clinical clients. The very first thing I would do when I call them back is say, this is fantastic. I'm so excited to talk to you. How did you hear of me? How did you get this phone number? What's your concern, right? So again, fast action is more obvious and depending on what you're doing, like when people would sign up for a list of a, of a talk I attended, like that's easy. I know exactly how they came to it. If they kind of come to you in the in the nether sphere, beginning to ask how, then you begin to know what is most effective. But most of us automatically think of word of mouth and referral because that's how most of us have built our businesses anyways. And one of the reasons I wanted to lean into this topic is whatever false sense of control we have as people in the world. I was very meta, but you know, there is, I want you to be able to feel like you can pull a trigger or pull a lever and do something that is more fast acting than word of mouth or referral, which is still the gold standard, right? And that's why I came up on this topic. So tracking and asking. Okay. Rebecca, Maddie, and then I'll go to Rachel's. Keep them coming in. I'm going to read yours out loud, Rebecca. I've had great connection moments with other community businesses. What's the best way to maximize on that momentum without getting overwhelmed? For example, my grand opening was a great success. Yay. But the aftermath, all I want to do was take a break since that was so much work to plan and execute. But that's when I got all the calls to start or consult on services. Oh boy. This is a really good question. I think I want to answer this in two ways. The first is we often under-prepare for the runway and the landing. And it's typically the flight that we prepare for. So exactly what Rebecca's talking about, about her grand opening. I believe, Rebecca, you probably thought of like, okay, how am I going to begin to promote this, right? That's what they call like a runway. How am I going to market this? How am I going to get this out to everybody? And I think that's a strategic shift that you mightn't have made a few years back even. And so you prepare for that runway. You could probably have prepared longer, right? And then you put all your effort into the, into the takeoff. Yay, grand opening. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh shoot, I have to land this plane and I need a big enough runway and I need a time and I might need a team and all of these things. So my first answer to you is now you know better. And my second thought is again, recognizing and building in some time for that break. So I'm not going to ask you to become the biggest workhorse in the world. Like if you decide to give yourself more time for the takeoff, the flight and the landing, that's great. In addition to that, it's do you have the bandwidth for the landing? Now, if you pre-prepped for it, you probably would. If you are legitimately in the place where you're like, so for example, if I was at AOTA this week, I would know that I would need three days off when I got back (laughs) because as extroverted as I seem, I need a lot of quiet time. Like I wouldn't have roommates at AOTA. I would need my own little hotel room to be quiet. So you can plan for that and the energy that you need to expand. And additionally, you can also plan to take a break and then start again. So I'm assuming that when you get all these calls to start or consult, maybe that becomes your only focus for the next few days. You could also plan to have somebody answer those calls and start those things. You might not be at that stage, but the, you know, down the road coach tells me, is that something that you could begin to outsource? 
And then there's nothing wrong with saying, even having a really lovely email reply that you can systematize to say, this is great. I can't wait to have a connection with you. I'm booking those for next week. Or have that initial phone call and say, I can't wait to get you on my schedule in blah, blah, blah time. So those are some kind of like really nitty gritty ways I would I would handle that. Um, let me know if that answered your question well enough, Rebecca. Okay, Rachel, how much time in the week month have you found to be the sweet spot to put towards marketing? I'm having a really hard time with finding time to stop and make one of these happen. Uh, I love this question. I think the answer, Rachel, is in what is the problem you want to solve? So there were, like, again, we took off in our bricks and mortar. I've told people this a hundred times. Like, we made six figures right out of the gate. I made six figures in this business right out of the gate. And that was great. I actually thought that I was like really good at marketing. (laughs) And then, especially as I was growing the bricks and mortars, things tended to feel more feast and famine. That's like one of the results in the quiz when you're in that growth phase, that feast and famine. And that's when I started to get really serious about learning about how to grow a business because I had done it all on hustle and instinct. And I couldn't seem to grow the caseload, the steady caseload that I wanted for all the therapists that I had. And so that's when I decided I needed to solve my marketing quote unquote problem. Okay. So I got very, very clear on what I was trying to do. And I'm going to remind you, Rachel, that that goes back to that TLC, right? The traffic, the leads and the customers. So do you need more eyeballs on your business? Do you need more leads or do you need more you know, dollars. Um, And that becomes a more sophisticated question. And then you will be able to answer that in your own way. So, and then ultimately you're going to see how much time you need to maintain the systems that are working for you on kind of an automated, you know, type of thing, or pull the lever on things that will get you a bigger bang for your buck more quickly if that's what you need. Do you want to maybe, Rachel, put in the chat an example of what you want to have happening? Like, what do you want marketing to do in your business right now? Okay. So Rachel's saying she really wants more customers. Again, I'm going to get a little specific and say, do you want more new customers or do you want more money coming in? Because often the quickest way to get more money, like acquiring a new customer is one of the most expensive things you can do. Whereas having extending the lifetime value of a customer that you already have is actually less expensive. So is there a way to extend that lifetime value of the customer instead of them having spend three to four sessions with you? Can they spend six to eight? And what do you need to do that? By the way, the solution for that is really continue to focus on their goals. Um, 
and continue to point to the value that you are providing. And setting them up for that on the sales call is another one. Um, in terms of getting more customers, the next question I would ask you is it when the phone rings, I'm going to assume those customers are turning into, pardon me, those leads are turning into customers. Okay, Rachel's saying here she has, only has four and you've maxed out their time. So I'm assuming, um, where do I want to go with this? I'm thinking two things. The first is if the phone is ringing or your email is emailing or pinging you, do you have a high enough success rate of turning those leads into clients? I'm going to guess that you do because that's a pretty typical OT story. So really you want, okay, 50%. So that could actually be a place, Rachel, where you begin to focus your attention. Because again, by, so the challenge here is, do you want to get a lot more people to turn into leads? Again, that's harder. Like the the closer you do to that new client acquisition, that does become harder versus if you could increase that lead to customer from 50% to 70%, you've just solved your problem by getting a few more customers a month. And there are ways to do that. There's ways to have, and we won't get into all of this now, but it's a, it's a, it's a good idea for, you know, training going forward is, you know, are you, are you taking them through a sales process that allows them to say yes to you? Are you getting, are you, are you using a sales script? And the other thing I would say is, are you following up? Do you have a system for follow-up with clients who might say no? So are you, the other 50%, where did they go? And do you know how to circle back to them? I believe I go over that in the um, sales and marketing training uh, lesson, but having some way that like, no might not mean no, no might be next time or later or not right now. So really Part of it is, yeah, because you, I mean, once they've come to you, it's not about marketing as much than the sale. And so my next question that you've put in the chat is how to overcome objections. And again, I'll tag you in the Facebook group. Actually, Kelly, could you write that in the Facebook group as a follow-up, like for Rebecca, say, tag, like follow-up to Rebecca conversation at Trish Williams, uh, overcoming objections, because I'll, I'll, sh- talk more about it in the Facebook group there, but it really, so you're going to have this and and I'll point it out to you where it lives in the curriculum as well. Part of you is like, you're going to always have an objection, right? Most people don't say yes right away. And because so many of us are people pleasers and we're helpers through and through, and we're, we identify as, you know, women, and we have this female experience many of us don't know how to overcome those objections. And we see those objections as a no. And so asking their husbands can mean a lot of different things. It can legitimately mean they need to ask their husband, okay? It can legitimately mean um, they don't want to buy from you and they're looking for an excuse. It can mean that they're confused 
Often an objection means I'm confused still and I don't know if I should buy from you. One of my very favorite things in the world is when little kids are not making any sense at all. Um, and there, I watch these videos on TikTok, admittedly, and there's like, oh, the latest one I saw was this little girl. And she was like, her, her name was Emma, I think. And she wanted to name, stick with me for this one. And she wanted to name her daughter, or her daughter, she was like four or five, Emma. And she wanted to be called Isla. And she was having a full meltdown because she wanted to be called Isla. And the mother was filming this and saying, well, why do you want to be called Isla? And she was sobbing, because I only want four letters in my name. (laughs) And the mom was like, but you do have four letters. Your name is Emma. And she was like, but I want my name to end in the letter A. (laughs) She was like, your name does end with a letter A. So my point is, Often the words that they're saying don't actually equal what they mean. And I don't mean that in a sleazy sales way. I mean like legitimately. So an objection, we can we can get to that and I can show you where that exists in the curriculum for overcoming it. And also it's it's an opportunity for you to get more information for them. If you if they're not interested, they're probably not going to ask any follow-up questions at all. You know, those people that spritz perfume in the mall and you're like, goodbye. Like, you're not like, oh, what perfume is that? Oh, that's, oh no, I don't think I want to buy it. I have to ask my husband. Like they've already shown some buying signals ahead of time that that's an objection to overcome and um, getting better at that and knowing what the common objections you're going to hear from your clients and getting better at dealing with those can be really, really helpful. Okay, I think we have one more question and then we'll open it back up to Kelly and you can talk about wins. Uh, Rebecca's comment, sorry. Oh, Rebecca's comment was three hour blocks per week as a strategic block and I focus on my goals for the quarter and plan ahead. Yeah, that's brilliant. I think that's a beautiful, beautiful place to start. Okay, Kelly Fetter, last question. At what point were you able to go from free to paid leads? Meaning you have a free podcast, but you also have a paid masterclass. How do I get from giving all the things for free to leveraging paid programs as revenue generation and leads? Masterful question. Okay, the first thing is, I don't want you to see paid leads as revenue generation. I think if I read that correctly, I know you're asking about paid leads, but at first I was like, oh, paid leads, that's going to be great. I'm going to generate revenue. Well, what, $1,000? Like, yeah, that's great. It's still $1,000 if 30 people buy your $49 masterclass, but it's not really like scaling money or grow money, right? And so the reason behind a paid lead, it was a marketing experiment, and it's really about the quality of the client, the potential client who shows up to that. And they kind of self-select out of an experience if they have to pay for it. And they self-select in, again, an ideal client self-selects in with a paid lead. And you have to think about the business that you have. Like, we're not cheap and cheerful. We're not the $49 membership, right? And I'm good with that because that this is my zone of genius and I actually don't have really an interest running that kind of business. 
this is what I do best. And this is where I feel like I can intersect and help my ideal client the best, this accountability, this relationship, this ongoing uh, mentoring, training, implementation piece, right? So for us, it was a smart decision because to ask somebody to go from a free podcast to pay X, you know, four figures for one of our groups is kind of a leap. Whereas the paid lead magnet at least begins to suss people out for, yeah, I'm going to raise my hand and I'm going to engage in a monetary way. And I'm therefore more likely to be an ideal client for whatever I personally am selling. So I didn't find I needed as much of a, I didn't actually use any, did I use paid lead magnets? No, I didn't use any paid lead magnets per se in my bricks and mortar because people seem to be pretty willing to buy a couple hundred dollars at a pop therapy. Now we did smaller groups and we did summer camps, et cetera. Interestingly, I, I personally didn't find a lot of those small groups led to longer term clients. And the summer camp was so expensive to run that it was actually, a, the, the summer camp wasn't a paid lead magnet. It was like another revenue generator so that we could have more kids in a different format come because nobody wanted to do therapy in the summer and parents wanted their kids outside. So I hope that really helps answer your question. This has been OTs Get Paid, recorded live in Studio C. That's Studio Closet. I'm Trish Williams. If you have feedback on today's episode, send us a DM on IG at OTs Get Paid or join our Facebook group at OTs Get Paid. We would really love to hear from you. We'd also love it if you could subscribe and write a review for the podcast. Each month, I'll pick a random review for a shout out to get your name and business on the air. Until next time.